Good afternoon, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Ahead of the Crypto Curve, where we are creating Satoshi Millionaires, one family at a time, one day at a time, one Bitcoin at a time, one Satoshi at a time, and ladies and gentlemen, that means you. I am your host, Naja Robertson. It is my mission in life to lead my people out of financial slavery. I don't just do this show to change the way you think about money, but to make you look at money and help you change the way you look at everything, including money, but everything around you needs to be looked at a little bit closer, ladies and gentlemen, because it absolutely matters. Today is Monday, August 21st, 2023. And what an incredibly great day it is. We have had several cryptopians that have had birthdays over the last four days. I just want to say to each and every one of you, I hope that your day was filled with all the love, joy, happiness, and peace you deserved on your birthday. Happy birthday from me, but to the cryptopians whose birthdays are today which are Monday, August 21st. I would like to say happy birthday to Zoe Mitchell of Toronto, Canada, Jonathan Marr of Portland, Oregon, Vincent Parker of Brooklyn, New York, Tanya E. of Carlisle, Pennsylvania, Alexis Evans of Miami, Florida, Saris Hendricks, our very own Saris Hendricks of Los Angeles, California, and Maya Harris of Washington, D.C. Again, to all of you, I want to say happy birthday. I hope your day today is a fabulous day. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to get a shout out for your birthday, please feel free to send me a text message to 424-317-7373. Again, 424-317-7373. 7373. And ladies and gentlemen, today is a revolutionary day. I was actually looking at preparing for the show today, and I just realized that today is is August the 21st, and there are some really historical things that have happened during uh, August 21st. It's several years, hundreds of years ago, but they happened. And um, I, I wonder why I was waking up today feeling so just exhilarated and listening to presentations. Somebody at the last minute, I jumped on a presentation today. And I realized, ladies and gentlemen, it is time out for doing the same thing day in and day out expecting different results and i had an opportunity twice this weekend to listen to folks pitch different opportunities and different things that they're doing and not that what they're doing is wrong but i have to just continue to tap in to what we've been talking about and that's self-sovereignty and not allowing any platform to be in control of our funds And so as I look at the wealth gap and how we're going to close the wealth gap, how we're going to do that through cryptocurrency, how we're going to do that through hard assets, um, I'm just continuously reminded that we are literally in a fight for our freedom right now. There's a couple of things that went on this weekend uh, with me internally. 
that just really uh, kind of woke me up this morning and I said, you know what, we have really got to push harder than we've been pushing to make sure that our community gets the education that they need. And so I'm just going to come with this quote today. And it was very simple. I found it. It's by somebody named Alan Bloom. And it basically states education is the movement from darkness to light. Again, education is movement from darkness to light. Alan Bloom. And as I listened to the presentation this morning, somebody was giving me a presentation about hard assets. And you know I've been talking about the four wealth stool legs that we need, one of them being digital assets, the other one being hard assets, and inside of hard assets, you got real estate, you got gold. They were talking to me about gold, and um, as they were talking to me about how they were acquiring the gold that they wanted us to purchase, um, I really just realized we have got to control our narrative. Now, many of us here in the United States and abroad that are not centrally located in Africa have been really asking ourselves or watching, standing by watching as natural resources and things have been taken off the continent of Africa. And those individuals, those villages, those uh, those hills and those those regions that they're taking these resources from, they typically take I'm just going to say they take from those regions and they leave the locals with absolutely nothing. And as I was listening to this presentation, it really just sat in my heart that uh, we can control this narrative and we do not have to do business with people who take, rob and pillage from our communities and not necessarily my community because I don't know where they're getting the gold from but at the end of the day I've now realized that they only allow certain individuals to get these licenses to take the gold out of the country and it's not the natives it's not the individuals that are mining for it it's not the it's not the tribes or or the the communities in which they're pulling from and so in that same respect I was able to say to them where is this gold originating from and they were just sharing with me that they had no knowledge of where it was coming from but they were only interested in paying the individual who had the license to bring it over the, over here to America. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen, that is not good enough for me. I am really in a position now, uh, a mindset, not even a position, a mindset. If you do not do right by anybody uh, that looks like me that you're pulling resources from and those things, I'm just not going to participate because if we continue to allow people to take advantage of our communities. They're just going to continue to do it. And not that I'm going to make a whole big hill of a difference. I'm not investing hundreds of millions of dollars in gold, but I can do my little part by saying, you know what, enough is enough. And I really hope as we continue to look at Africa, as we continue to look at Niger, and I was saying Niger, but Niger, um, as we continue to look at them and really take a deeper look at what they're saying and what they're doing. You know, we can play our, a small part. We can play a small part and not continuing to allow people to take advantage of us and our resources and things of that sort. And to that end, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to talk about why 
August 21st is so instrumental in our history. With that, when we come forward, we'll continue the conversation. This is KBLA Talk 1580. In a moment, moment. more with Najee Roberts as we get ahead of the crypto curve on KBLA Talk 1580. All right. Welcome forward. Welcome forward. I know that the ancestors uh, had me wake up this morning on this revolutionary tip because I actually had no idea that today, August the 21st, that two very, very interesting, not even interesting, revolutionary acts happen. So some of you may know about Nat Turner. Well, today, August 21st, 1831, Nat Turner's revolt actually took place. And on that evening in August 21st, an enslaved preacher, that's what he was at that time, a self-styled prophet, he called himself a prophet, named Nat Turner, actually launched the most deadly slave revolt in history of the United States. And uh, Nat Turner, in less than 24 hours after the revolt had began, had encountered an organization of resistance and um, they just they just had a lot of things going on and they 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 were defeated and um, he had a setback. But you know what? He he scrambled and he reassembled his forces. And the next day, uh, a series of defeats led to led to an effective end of the revolt. And they really reasserted those individuals that they were fighting against, reasserted their control over the county. And um, they took they took everything that those folks had. And in the days to follow, as I did a little bit of research, they actually suppressed them financially. And I'm going to they did more than then really suppress them financially. But the reason why I'm bringing up the finances is because as we continue to figure out what we need to do to move forward, we have got to understand that almost every war or any revolt or anything that has been lost is based on the fact that we didn't have the continuous funds to continue the fight because you need money to get things going. You need money to feed people. You need, you just need a lot of things going on. And I am going to say that the uh, effectiveness that they have had in suppressing finances from us has been one of the pivotal things that have kept us uh, suppressed. And um, as we look at another uh, revolutionary moment in history, today, August 21st, happens to be the night that Haiti had a uh, revolt. And the Haitian Revolution happened Again, August 21st, the same day as today, the slave revolt broke out on the north of the island and the area of the largest plantations where black uh, slaves uh, got free. And we won't get into all of the politics of that, but they set fire to the plantations. And I honestly feel as though, you know, folks in Haiti are still paying today 
for that revolt that took place. And we, we see it all the time as it relates to just so many things that we can say are coincidental or not, but it was revolutionary. But what they have done is continue to starve out financially uh, those individuals who said, hey, no more, we're not going to allow this to happen in our country. And those unrest again in August, on August 21st of way back in 1791 um, have been instrumental in what they've been able to accomplish today. But again, we go back to finances and because there was no decentralized way in which Haitians could do business back then. Of course, there's something new on the scene right now. Uh, But we just look back at these revolts again and we see that it's all about holding back or suppressing funds and it doesn't allow uh, for a lot of room to grow or to continue to fight and things of that sort. But I just wanted to bring out the fact that August 21st is a real historical day for both the Nat Turner revolt and the Haitian revolt, in case you didn't know it. So today, uh, as we look at those things, we understand now how really important it is to be decentralized in our nature of whatever it is that we're doing. And again, understanding that uh, decentralization is going to help us close this wealth gap because when we decide to or we have an opportunity to really pull ourselves up from our bootstraps and do something different, we can only do it if we are in control of our funds. And I actually started taking a look at um, the Homestead Act and some of the things that have gone on with the Freedmen Bank. And I'll probably do some uh, a deeper dive on the radio because I know exactly what is happening as it relates to the Freedmen Bank. But um, as we look at closing this wealth gap, we have got to really understand that the Freedmen's Bank, because uh, a lot of people are asking me, what bank should I actually bank with? And I know here on the station, we hear the Chase commercials all the time. And I'm, re- I'm really going back and forth with what that really means, uh, because we know Chase is one of the larger banking Uh, institutions here in the United States and we know that we have some black banks as well and we know that there was a Freedman Bank and that there were some things that happened with the banks and um, I wanted to kind of just share that information because a lot of people don't know why the Freedman Bank actually failed and what it means for the wealth gap and again As we look at the wealth gap and not even just us having access to capital, but having the ability to grow the funds that we were able to get, even if, uh, you know, if the applications or the things that we apply for were denied, we had to have a place to put our money and to sustain ourselves. And the Freedmen's Bank, just in case those of you didn't know, and again, it is Freedmen. And it stands for being a freed man, F-R-E-E-D-M-A-N, Freedman's Saving and Trust Company, was actually a private corporation that was chartered by an act 
of the United States government. And it was signed into effect in 1865 by President Abraham Lincoln. It actually was created to help develop a newly freed African-Americans uh, endeavor to become financially stable. And I really feel like 1865 is the same exact thing that we're trying to do right now in the Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency space here on August 21st, 2023. We're trying to help our community endeavor to become financially stable. And again, not knowing that us putting our money into the Freeman Bank 18 in 1865 was going to be a bad thing. Uh, we're doing the same thing in 2023, not knowing that putting our monies into the bank will be catastrophic for uh, catastrophic for us. And so um, what actually happened in the Freedmen's Bank and why it had a demise. And, and I won't even say that they're telling the whole truth about why the bank actually collapsed. But uh, it was a headquartered in New York. Uh, and there were a lot of different branches from New York to Washington, D.C. And, and again, they were capturing the money. And I say capturing the money. They were getting uh, African-Americans in America to actually deposit their funds. And if you think about the North, people were coming from the South to the North and the people in the North were the ones that held a lot more of the money than the people in the South. And so they got them to really deposit their money to, to have trust in the banking industry. And soon after a group of local bankers and politicians began to take control of this bank and they urged the new trustees and Congress to amend the actual bank charter. And so what uh, Abraham Lincoln meant for good started changing a little bit. And again, we see this all the time where rules and, 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 and the, the, the target actually moves, but these uh, trustees began to take this money from the individuals that have put their money into the bank and they started uh, investing in the different railroads and different real estate uh, projects and they made very risky loans to friends and some of these loans absolutely had no collateral and again this was money that was taken again we're talking about the Freedman bank and because they said Freedman bank you know that those individuals who did not fall in that category were not putting their money in these banks and so some of these trustees were in charge of other banks as well but when they made these bad loans they made the bad loans with the money from uh the freedman's bank and as Frederick Douglass, a famous writer and speaker, um, talked about it, he would later describe it as the bank that had become the black man's cow, but the white man's milk. And we put our money into the banks trusting. And again, we're talking way back in 1870s. And all of these things, whether we know it or not, have had a psychological effect on us because 
once you really take a look at history, you understand why your great grandparents didn't necessarily trust the banks. And then why your grandparents started trusting the banks again. And then here we are in this day and time. But back in those days, ladies and gentlemen, there was a financial panic that actually hit right around 1873. And most of the Freedmen's Bank investments lost their value or became worthless. And it wasn't because we did anything as a community other than deposit our money because we believed in why the bank was put together. It was for freed men, right? And so the bank was actually doomed because they changed the charter. They moved the goalposts, which is what they do all the time with the different banks. And they're still doing it today, ladies and gentlemen, whether you want to believe it or not. And the branches met this demand to get the cash reserves back in the hands of the people. But the Freedmen banks had already been drained for the most part because they did all of these unsecure and bad loans to their friends and family. Again, the black man's cow, but the white man's milk, right? And so... As we look at history, as we look at the wealth gap, as we look at this is not the first time in history. Well, was I believe it was the first documented time. But then when you go back and you look at the Black Wall Street, you'll see something that happened with the banks as well again. And so in the meantime, um, nobody really watched what these trustees were doing. The U.S. Congress was supposed to be supervising the Freedmen's Bank and they paid little attention to it, which is what which is some of what we see today. And they're not necessarily doing it with black folks. But again, black folks really suffer at the end of the day when there are problems that are going on with the banks, when there are problems going on with who they're loaning to and all of these things. And so as we look at revolutionary days, ladies and gentlemen, as I look at the banking system, I wish I could give a better uh, conclusive comment about where you should be putting your money. But if you've got to do something, I think that uh, if you've got a bank, which I definitely have to bank, I talked about credit unions before, um, but if we have to bank with the actually federally chartered bank. I think we have some great options out there. Maybe we'll jump into that on another day. But with this revolution, ladies and gentlemen, it really feels so good not to have all my ducks in um, all my eggs in one basket, having to have everything in the bank, which we don't actually know what's going to happen as we see bank uh, branches closing. And over the weekend, there were some more announcements of some bank branches that are closing for some pretty big banks. And what that's telling us is that things are changing. And as those things continue to change, we need to keep our eyes and our ears open to what we need to do to be decentralized in this space. And Bitcoin offers that option. It's just an option. So when we come forward after news, sports, and traffic, we'll continue the conversation. This is KBLA Talk 15. Find a righteous range and don't be afraid to say what you see for KBLA Talk 1580. All right. All right. Welcome forward. Welcome forward. As we look into the cryptocurrency markets and we look at what is going on, there is a lot going on. The first thing I want to say to each and every one of you that the fear and greed index has changed 
and it has changed for, I'm going to say, for the worst. Again, we are here to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent, and we are now in the fear zone as it relates to cryptocurrencies. In fact, the market uh, cap has actually dropped as well. And a lot of it has to do with the uncertainty of what is happening with regulation coming out of our House of Representatives, our Senate, just all of those things. And so as I look at the cryptocurrency fear and greed index, today we are on fear, which is it's at 35. Remember last week, I believe it was last Wednesday, we were at 50% right in the middle. But today we are at 35%. And um, this is in the orange. It represents fear. People don't know what is happening in the market. And they're just kind of sitting back waiting to see exactly what is happening. And so today, Bitcoin is actually trading at $26,105. So Bitcoin is definitely on sale today, down from where it was at 30,000 trading sideways uh, many days uh, for the last several months. And it's up in the last hour, 0.15%. In the last 24 hours, it is down point 23 percent and in the last seven days it is down 11.10 percent and next up we have ethereum that is trading at one thousand six hundred and seventy two dollars in the last hour it is up point two six percent in the last 24 hours it is down point eighty one percent and in the last seven days, it is down 9.26%. And as we look at a couple of the other cryptocurrencies, as I scroll down on CoinMarketCap, I see everything doing exactly the same thing as Bitcoin, which I say all the time. It mirrors Bitcoin the first hour. Everything is up a little bit. And then the last 24 hours, it's down. In the seven days, it's down. And that goes for a lot of the other cryptocurrencies that you all have been investing in. You got to watch and see exactly what's happening. And of course, I am really hoping that you're putting your finger on the different platforms that you're working with, that you have access via your passwords and your two-factor authentications and all the things that you need to be pretty much well-versed on or making sure that you can get in these accounts when you need to. That being stated, ladies and gentlemen, the biggest conversation today in the cryptocurrency space is the fact that Vitalik Buterin of Ethereum actually sent $1 million worth of Ethereum into Coinbase. Now, what does that mean? So I'm just going to tell you, in my opinion, this is the second or third fire truck that's going down the street with blaring red lights. Something is going on. 
Because, in my opinion, if Vitalik Buterin has sent a million dollars worth of Ethereum over to Coinbase, you would only do that if you were about to sell. Just my opinion. Now, he may not be be selling. He may be just doing this to see if he can move the market like Elon Musk moves the market. We don't know. But what we can uh, draw inferences from on this is that there is some sort of motive of as to why he's doing this and how do we know that this is actually his wallet because cryptocurrency for a lot of people is sort of um, I'm going to say it is it, it's sort of because to a certain extent, you can find out who's behind every wallet when they do on-chain data analysis. But I think that Vitalik Buterin has made it well known what his wallet address is and people are watching to see what he's doing and how he's moving. And so according to this on-chain data, this wallet that's associated with him actually sent 600 uh, Ethereum and it was worth roughly $1 million to Coinbase today. And so, again, we don't know why he moved it right now. We're all just speculating, and you'll hear a lot of the different uh, news channels really talking about why this unusual transfer happened to this exchange and if he's intentionally going to sell, and maybe by tomorrow we will have an answer. But the price of Ethereum is probably going to be struggling more than it has been in the past. And so that being said, for all of you who have reached out to me and stated, should we be investing in Ethereum? Should I be holding Ethereum? This is your opportunity to take a look at what is going on and really make a decision. Is this your time to buy more because the price is going to drop? Or is this your chance to actually sell and move your Ethereum into some other cryptocurrency or just turn it back into fiat or do whatever you need to do? But this is a real time for those of you that hold Ethereum to really take a look at what's happening be behind this specific coin because Buterin's transaction could further exert more selling pressure on this particular digital asset. I told you all. Um, personally, because uh, I know a lot of people ask me personally if I'm investing in Ethereum. And the answer to that was no. The only reason why we were investing in Ethereum is to go out and support some of the NFT projects. I told you all I bought the first Nipsey Hustle uh, um, NFT. And so I had to have Ethereum to do that. And early on 2017, I absolutely had Ethereum. Um, because I just knew or thought it was going to be the next greatest thing. You know, that's how all these projects are actually marketed. And uh, so Vitalik, again, took his a million dollars worth of Ethereum, put it on Coinbase. We have to wait to see exactly what happens from here. Um, but this is really, really interesting. And we all need to know that this is happening so that we can better gauge ourselves as these uh, cryptocurrencies begin to take shape. And I'm going to just say they're all new. Uh, and when I say all new, relatively new, under 15 years old, especially uh, Ethereum. And so we don't know what actually moves the market. So all of these 
things that are happening, all of these uh, transactions that take place really play an integral part in the price of these different cryptocurrencies. And I know because he created Ethereum, he didn't necessarily, ladies and gentlemen, pay what you paid. And I know he didn't because he could create them, right? So for him to put a, a, a 600 Ethereum, which he probably got for free, uh, into Coinbase and they equal a million bucks, some folks like, you know, that may want to go and invest, they're going to go and buy this Ethereum that he really created out of thin air. And so you just have to know about that as well. Um, there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that people really don't even pay attention to. So he created a million, he created Ethereum. He definitely would give himself some Ethereum just would make sense. And so people have been watching these wallets that he owns and, um, he created Ethereum seven years ago and it contained 3,993 Ethereum worth uh, $6.5 million. That's what he had and that's what he's holding. So for him to send a million dollars over to Coinbase worth of Ethereum is not really a big deal. It's a big deal to us. But again, when you get something for free because you're the creator and then you're going to sell it on the market, it may actually harm the price of the coin. So for those of you that are watching that hold Ethereum, today is a great day for you to really start taking a deep dive in the asset and finding out if you really think it's something that you need to hold on to. Uh, but this is not the first time that Buterin would actually transfer assets to a cryptocurrency exchange. Earlier this year, he did the same thing with 200 Ethereum. Uh, he sent it over to Kraken in March. And um, around that same period, uh, Vitalik Buterin actually dumped several unsolicited altcoins um, for 439 ethereum as well and so the price of ethereum is struggling and i think it's going to continue to struggle so we're going to have to watch as this week rolls out because last thursday there was definitely a flash a market crash for ethereum and the fright the price actually fell below 1700 for the first time since june so ladies and gentlemen when we come forward we'll continue the conversation this is kbla talk 15 now, let's get back to Ahead of the Crypto Curve with Naja Roberts on KBLA, KBLA Talk 1580. All right. Welcome forward. Welcome forward. I kind of touched uh, right before we were talking about Vitalik, Buterin, and Ethereum. Uh, I kind of touched a little bit on the market cap, which is something that we watch. Um, and the market cap for the cryptocurrency space is down 0.67%, which means there's $1.0 trillion in the cryptocurrency space. And that is a difference in what we were watching uh, over the last couple of months, which was almost at $2 trillion. And so as we watch as money goes into different asset classes, again, people are looking to be safe. People are looking for where to use or put their money as a store of value. 
we are looking, everybody is looking feverishly at where we should be going because of the inflation, just because of so many different things, ladies and gentlemen. And that is why it is critically important for diversification. And we want to make sure that you are talking to your financial advisors, but that you are making sure that you're spreading yourself across asset classes and not just putting all of your eggs in one basket. As we look at the dominance, specifically in the cryptocurrency space, we're still seeing today that Bitcoin remains uh, the most dominant cryptocurrency out there with Bitcoin being 48.2% of all of the individuals that are holding on to to any type of cryptocurrency. So they're holding Bitcoin 48.2%. Ethereum is only 19.1%. And then the rest of the 100% goes to all the different cryptocurrencies like Tether and BNB and XRP and some of these other ones, Cardano, Dogecoin. But again, the dominance is still in Bitcoin. And as this Um, cryptocurrency space continues to evolve Uh, Wall Street and several other people they're really focusing on Bitcoin even though there is a bunch of folks that are still talking about XRP and all these different things the SEC is about to file an appeal with uh, the ruling with XRP and so we're going to see exactly what happens with that and XRP over the weekend I believe it was today it wasn't over the weekend but XRP actually shorts worth over 2.6 million dollars and they liquidated within a single day and so over the past 24 hours Ripple's native token which is XRP has experienced a rise of 2% they're taunting or saying that they're surpassing the gain seen in Bitcoin and Ethereum. And again, what happened is the gain led to liquidation of over 2.6 million worth of XRP shorts. And that's some data that we got. And shorts uh, liquidation actually refers to the closing of shorts positions in the market. So they're still playing in the stock market pretty much. I'm going to just say it that way, often resulting in a buy order as traders exit their bets that the price of an asset will decrease. And so they won with these shorts, right? And so uh, this comes amid an ongoing legal battle between the Securities and Exchange Commission which is the SEC and Ripple Labs. And I want to make sure that everybody is clear. Ripple Labs, XRP, uh, Ripple, all of those things have to do with this lawsuit that we've been talking about. And the chief technology offer at Ripple Labs yesterday says that the SEC is really going to seek an appeal at this particular stage. And the case is based on its interpretation of the legal proceedings and they have not yet been concluded. And so they're still suggesting that people need to get involved in XRP. I'm still hearing people in the industry talking about the fact that uh, XRP is going to be used with banks and nobody really knows. Right. So when we come forward, we'll continue the conversation because it is really 
important that you pay attention to your money, specifically in the cryptocurrency space right now, to see which uh, coins, what's happening with these different coins, whether or not they're outperforming Bitcoin and Ethereum remains to be seen in the long run. But with that, respectively, we'll come forward. This is KBLA Talk 1580. All right. Welcome forward. Welcome forward. We have an event uh, coming up in Washington, D.C. at Howard University. It is called the Black Blockchain Summit. And at that summit, there will be many different panels and there will be several individuals at Howard University talking about uh, diversity and inclusion in the Bitcoin and the blockchain space. There's a lot of different initiatives that are happening. And yours truly will be there moderating several different panels on Saturday. So we will be in Washington, D.C. at Howard University from September 21st through September 23rd. And it actually just happens to be the week that the National Black Caucus is in Washington, D.C. So I'm pretty excited about that. So again, September 21st through 23rd, we will be at Howard University for the Black Blockchain Summit. And you can go to the blackblockchainsummit.com and get your ticket. Again, the blackblockchainsummit.com. You can get your ticket. If you can't find the information, please reach out to me at 424-317-7373. And again, my number is 424-317-7373. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for rocking with me here today on this revolutionary day, August 21st, as we uh, move into the next show. We're making way for the D.L. Hughley show. We are always making sure that you get the right information. Check into your Ethereum if you have it. Uh, just really try to figure out what you're going to do based on some of the new moves that have been made by the founders of Ethereum. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we are creating Satoshi Millionaires, one family at a time, one day at a time, one Bitcoin at a time, one Satoshi at a time. And ladies and gentlemen, that means you. <laughs>